Hello, and welcome to Hell Ain't Complicated, a supernatural fan cast. I'm Claire, with me is Bo. Hey. How is it going? Well, it sure is going. I My air conditioning is finally back up and running. Thank God, because it's oh, yeah, 90 man. fucking degrees outside right now. Holy shit! God damn! It Holy is fuck. summer in Virginia. What are you expecting? <laughs> it's like... 60 degrees over here and i'm like it's too hot i hate you i hate you i, I live in the swamp and it's 90 degrees yeah you are weak <laughs> uh, yeah i am this is why i can never leave washington as much as i want to it's because <laughs> everywhere else is burning constantly uh supernatural news happened i didn't pay attention i tried to um i don't know gag reel came out I can't watch the gag reels because I know Jensen and Jared are just fucking around and making the crew miserable, so I can't watch <laughs> them anymore. <laughs> God. Uh, uh, I think some Destel confirmation happened again at this point, you know. You know. <laughs> you know. You know. I, we're used to it. <laughs> uh, gag reel, what else? Box set. The Gish Fest thing happened. I didn't watch it. It's too long. I was busy um, getting laid, so... <laughs> I'm going yeah. to be completely real. Like, I have been in this fandom for almost a decade. Not, like, consistently, but, like, you know. And I have never understood what Gish is. I, to this day, Me I don't know what it is. Because every time it comes around, I'm like, I'm going to actually figure out what the fuck this is. But it's always too complicated. I'm like, uh, you know, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who did it, like, kind of the first or second year around, and all I really remember is going to my community college at the middle of the night and, like, pouring whipped cream from, like, the second floor. Excuse I don't me? really remember. Yeah. Wait, it's like you a, did it with I them? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even know what you were doing? I don't I was. I was just there to have fun. <laughs> just <laughs> I just wanted to hang to out party. with my friends. It's <laughs> yeah. so fucking funny. Like, I guess we're going to, like, break into this, like, learning establishment and do something <laughs> with cans of whipped cream. God, if I know. <laughs> and then go to class here the next day. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I saw, yeah. I also don't really understand Gish. <laughs> I'm glad it helps. I think it's for charity. I think. So, I don't As long as everyone's having fun, I guess. I know for, I think... I think one year the prize was, like, having a sleepover with Misha Collins in a castle in Europe. I I'm think. I'm sorry? Wait, there's prizes? I think. Hmm, weird. I might be totally talking out of my ass, but I'm absolutely sure this is a thing that Misha Collins did and was related to him. Unless it was Harry Potter, but I think it was Misha. That sounds like a Harry remember. Potter thing. It does, but I'm absolutely sure... My brain had to connect the two somehow, so it has to be Misha. <laughs> oh my god. So today, we're not doing a recap episode, because I didn't feel like watching Supernatural. I probably will. I have a long weekend. I'm probably going to watch a ton of Supernatural. But today, you know, it's the last week of May, which is Mental Health Month, and I've been thinking a lot about mental health, so we're going to talk about mental health, baby! And I should preface that we're not professionals, so don't take our advice, for the love of God. Yeah, yeah, we're not professionals, don't, like, take our advice as if we are. Also, I mean, we are going to be talking about mental health, so if that's something that may be a little sensitive for you. Yeah. You know. Warning right there. So mostly, 
I just want to talk about fucking autistic Cass because Castiel is fucking autistic. And it's I love it. Hell yeah, baby. I should say that I am actually diagnosed autistic, right? You don't have to get diagnosed, I, but I'm not self-diagnosed, I should say. I don't fucking know what the word is. But my boy is motherfucking autistic and I love him so much. Like, it's so interesting for me. <laughs> I'm probably going to get a lot of history, but like, the thing is, when I first got into Supernatural, mm-hmm. I was using like the asexual label and like trying to figure that shit out. So I've always 100% always been for Cass's asexual that is like, like i won't take any other answer like gay sexual obviously that's my like that's my end game that's like what he is to me and it was so important to me back then and then now i'm like asexual doesn't work it's actually aromantic now and i don't see him as that <laughs> but i because it's so interesting that i came back like 10 years later i'm like oh he's the other a <laughs> he's the other a i'm a part of now now he's <laughs> autistic and everybody can who says otherwise can fucking fight me in a parking lot because he is yeah he's pretty heavily autistic coded whether that's like intentional or not because i have a hard time believing it's intentional from you know supernatural oh yeah they were probably just like we're just gonna make him weird and we're just like yeah but you know what you did here (laughs) yeah like the more i think about it the more he like it's so weird comparing him to other angels because like he starts out and he's like you know otherworldly they're going for that he's like very non-human and hard to pinned down and shit and then you meet other angels especially like bathazar and they're just like having it Cass is always like i'm not supposed to have emotions i'm supposed to be just the one thing i am i'm supposed to follow the rules and everybody else is like get a load of this guy still following the rules and not having emotions like yeah stop bullying him that's just that's something that just like boggles my mind because like it's you can't just simply play it off as him being an angel because almost every single other angel acts more i guess what you would consider human than him there's not really another angel that acts similar to him until like hannah hannah's the only other angel that i would compare to similar to him so i'm just like what the fuck is what were they going for because like even the early angels had a lot of personality and a lot of very obvious feelings you know yeah uriel like just he does not want anything to work here fucking zachariah is fucking scheming and shit he's like a like a sleazy little bit he's yeah he's like a sleazy businessman he's got a little patrick bateman thing going on and none of them act quite as like out of touch with how humans work and interact with each other as Cass does like all of them seem to understand how like human interactions work which is hilarious. Like, what were you doing with Cass then? I guess maybe yeah. it's because Cass wasn't supposed to be one of the powerful angels like the other ones were. So maybe yeah, their, their idea was, well, these are the more powerful ones. They are the ones who know what's going on. They're the ones who may have may or may not have had interactions with humans. And we're supposed to understand that the rest of the angels are like Cass. But I don't know. I don't know either. Because then you think of Anna and... Well, I guess Anna is a special case. Like, oh, I'm having emotions. (laughs) It gets worse. That's one of my fucking favorite quotes. I know it's kind of ridiculous. Sorry, I I hit my mic um, with my hand because I got so excited. But like, no, you're good. I have emotions or I'm having feelings, I think it was. And it just the reply, it gets worse. Like, you know, it's simple things like that that really cut to you when you can boil things down in like three words. Yeah. Again, and he like clearly has a fucking Winchester hyperfixation for 15 <laughs> years. Stupid ass. 
I mean, ha- <laughs> who hasn't? But yeah. That's fair. I just think it's kind of neat that it's not just compared to humans. It's compared to other angels, too. Like, he's not just, like, what we would consider autistic by human standards. By angel standards, he is, too. Like, they had yeah. to lobotomize him several times. So many fucking times. <laughs> I mean, along with just, like, straight up being autistic, I kind of headcanon that Cass just, like, spent a good chunk of human history just, like, watching some animals, just, like, watching one beehive and just looking at what the fuck they were doing and just having fun. And all the other angels were just partying and dicking around fucking other humans and shit. And he just didn't notice at all because they don't like him and they don't let him sit with them. I love that headcanon that, like, they brought him out when he had to go fight something. But then he's like, just just let him go in his corner and watch his bees, whatever. He's weird. Yeah. Just let him deal with it. <laughs> it's very, very Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> neurodivergency will only be accepted when it's useful like oh god oh my god that's really fucking that really fucking is Cass. oh my god he really is rudolph the redness fucking reindeer like even the winchesters (laughs) pull that shit they really do and no wonder he has a fucking complex no wonder he thinks he's not allowed to stay in the bunker it's because i'm only Mm. useful when i'm when the people want me oh my god my poor baby i love it i also I mean, from what little I know of Jack, like, Jack obviously is trying to learn, you know, literally everything he needs to learn at once. So I cannot wait till I meet Jack because I I, I just, I want to yeah. see so many dad moments with Cass and Jack. And Jack, know, of course, right? being confused and doing things wrong because he's a little kid who does he's not understand how things work yet, but he's in the body of a 20-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I don't know. I think like even once he gets older, he's he'll still gonna act like Cass because you know what? He's Cass's mm. kid. He's Cass's kid. He is. I don't care if it's not genetic. That's he's he's somehow inherited Cass's personality. I've decided. God's so sweet. That little little baby Cass adopts a kid, and he just everybody thinks he's weird, but he has this little kid that loves him, and he loves so much. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I'm gonna die. I love him so fucking much. Just a very weird dad and his very weird son. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just upset with the ending and kind of Mm -hmm. like... Because it is pretty heavily implied, if not outright stated, at least once in the earlier seasons. And it's kind of like hinted at later in in the later seasons as well that Dean's suicidal. Dean believes he is only good for hunting and he's basically, he's not going to kill himself, but he is going to do everything he can to put himself in a position where he will get killed. Like death by hunting. That is, yeah, that is his end game. That is like, he's doing everything to, to like take the decision of suicide out of his own hands. And then his reward at the end is peace and death. That is so yeah. fucked oh, my up. Fucking God. It is fucked up. And some people, when it first came out, some people who are or have been suicidal were like, that's a horrible fucking message. Anyway, you cut it. That's really what was the most upsetting about his death to me. Not the bury your gaze, not the he didn't get to live a happy life, but the kind of validation of the really messed up way of thinking of the only way that you will find peace is when you die. Yeah. 
and that some that sometimes that is the ending that some people deserve like that's a reward for people that's yeah. not and that that's what made me so angry you take this character who has gone through so much who has struggled with so many um <laughs> traumas and yeah. he's had so much problems with his emotion and it's not even that he doesn't get to live a happy life it's that they're like okay yeah his reward is that he finally gets to let go and he finally gets to die and i'm like no that's that's so terrible bad bad show like you can't take a suicidal character and tell them that suicide is their reward because that is that is honestly how i read his death i don't read it as a he died on a hunt i i'm not able to read it Mm. as anything other than a suicide and i hate (sighs) i know right god and then oh my god and then the fucking alcoholism that they never deal with because it's a fucking cw and just drinking booze all the time is fine and cool and teens should definitely do it like oh god not to mention the demonization literal demonization (laughs) of sam (laughs) and his addiction to demon blood and then the glorification of alcoholism like oh god yeah you can't do both. Oh my god! And then, of course, let's 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 talk about the whole magical curing of all of Sam's traumas. <laughs> yeah. Oh my fucking god! Jesus like the fucking Christ. Lucifer cage and all that shit. Just oh god. And then Cass is just like, "I'm gonna take on your madness and be a crazy person." Hi, I am. Oh my hun- god! Oh, don't get me fucking started on the fucking. Uh, Asylum cast. I, oh, I, like, I don't hate it. I don't really, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I just really don't like fans who really like it because I don't trust them because they're the people who, uh, really, really, really whoopify cast to an extent that I really, like, we're all guilty whoopification. I love whoopifying characters I love. But the people who do that, they're like, you're doing it wrong, (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> We're all doing it wrong, but they specifically are doing it the worst. Honestly. That's very stupid. Like, listen, the honey scene is iconic. I'm not gonna lie about that. Like, just, I followed a honeybee and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, dude, maybe chill out a little bit. And But also, <laughs> it's one of the few times you get to see him talk about something that, like, may interest him other than the fucking Winchesters. Yeah. I just like how he seems to, like, more or less have a hyperfixation on nature. It's cute. He really and that does. only ever comes out in the, I mean, I know in, in the show they call him Crazy Cast, and I'm like, that's not, like, great yeah. terminology. I don't know what yeah. else to call him. But, um, like, that's really the only time it gets to come out. But I, I honestly, I do like the headcanon that he is very interested in nature in general, not just, you know, yeah. uh, insects and like you know gardening and all that which i think goes hand in hand but i think he just loves like natural history like every like a lot of people had canon yeah. that sam is a true crime history kind of buff he's more mm. the natural history side i think it's sweet. oh i love that he just knows everything oh my god like what's the word for insect biologist ep- entomology entomology yeah entomologist yeah. cast au <laughs> where he studies bees i love that so much he has an apiary <laughs> oh my god i want him to have an apiary so bad he deserves it just fuck it why couldn't cask have a good ending why couldn't he get what he wants i know right he's a basic guy 
He just wants the simple things in life. He's really? He's a sweet little guy. He's just a sweet little dude. <laughs> the size of a Chrysler building, but... Yeah. <laughs> so... That's my main things I wanted to talk about, the way that the series treats mental health poorly. <laughs> or doesn't even recognize that something is mental health. Oh, yeah. Like, like addiction is so fucking mental health, and they just don't fucking realize it at all. They're like, you gotta quit. That's not, that's not how it works, bud. Don't even tell me about the dangerous, like, and impractical detoxing. God. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. They're just, like, Jeez. locked him in a room. And they're just like, get better. Bitch. God, I fucking forgot about that. What the holy shit was that? Yeah, it was so fucked up. That's the fucking thing about Supernatural. Not having any f- sense of community besides, like, the most bare-bones shit and having, like, three characters that you sometimes see. Just, oh my god. Like, there's so much mental health shit that hunters would need and there's mm-hmm. no... Nowhere for them to turn to. Can you imagine, like, a therapist for hunters? Like, oh my god, it makes me so Absolutely. They all need trauma support. A majority of them will probably need some sort of alcohol and other addiction uh, support as well. Because I cannot imagine that life does not lend itself to um, addiction, you know? Yeah. Like, the Roadhouse is a bar. Like, one of the most (laughs) famous hunter places is a fucking bar. Bobby is... His fridge is full of beers. Everybody's always drinking a beer at his house. There's alcohol everywhere in there. And, mm-hmm. oh, God, it's so bad. And I think that's, like, kind of another reason why Supernatural just does so fucking bad with mental health is because they don't have a community. And mm-hmm. it kind of reflects the real life. God, I had, like, a whole thought that was more coherent than this. But, like, you know, there's mental health is such a massive problem right now. Like, loneliness is such a huge problem right now because we don't have a sense of community in this country because we took away any chance we could have for it in, like, for the gain of capitalism and shit. And, yep. and the fact that hunting doesn't even have, like, hunting should be completely divorced from capitalism. Like, they scam all their money and they work to like save people like there should be no capitalism in there and yet they are still like let's not form any communities let's all keep to ourselves let's all work our own individual jobs and not befriend each other it's like what are you what are you guys doing honestly i think most of that was just john though because it it sounds like (laughs) the rest of the hunter world they do have communities it's just john avoided them like the plague because he was such a terrible asshole everyone hated him and he got kicked out of every community and lost every friend he ever had and then sam and dean just don't realize that's an option because even though even though he's been dead for Mm. years even though they know now and can recognize now that he did a lot of things wrong and fucked up they still are living life the way that he intended yeah. They just don't realize there's another option. Insanity. Insanity. It really is batshit insane that they introduced a bunker, a giant military bunker, halfway through the series, and then they were just like, yeah, this belongs to two people, maybe three sometimes. That's it, bud. You're lucky if you ever see it. And then they just close the show with Sam turning the lights off of the bunker are you kidding me and then they still establish in the finale that monsters are still around there's still vampires there's still things to hunt so there still has to be hunters to fight those things but the bunker 
nah, we're never, nobody knows about it. Only Sam will die with that secret. What? Yeah. Huh? Honestly, I think that's what? not only a terrible way to end it, but incredibly out of character for Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam would not let incredibly. the bunker just like, f- like that's, there's so much resources there. Sam is so fucking smart and resourceful. That's what he really, he, resourceful is such like what he is. Yeah. He would never turn, like turn this opportunity down. Are you kidding me? I mean, even if oh he's not God. the one that's like championing it, he would not just shut it away from everyone else. He would not yeah. lock away all of that knowledge and all of those resources. He'd hand off the keys if he didn't want to be involved. Yeah. And it's like, he closes the bunker because his brother's gone. Um, his brother has almost nothing to do with the bunker. Yeah, I guess yeah. are men of letters on their dad's side. Oh god, don't even start me on that. <laughs> but like, there's no, there's nothing there. Like closing the lights on the bunker, and that because we then we see his son has a tattoo. So it's like, did he start keep hunting or not? I? Oh, maybe he just took all the shit from the bunker and did something else with it. I don't know. But I don't just know. sold it all on eBay. <laughs> Maybe it was just supposed to be like, this chapter of our lives is over. I don't live here anymore. And he took all of the um, libraries and shit and moved them somewhere else. I don't know where the fuck he'd put it, but that's the only thing could possibly make sense. Big mansion with his blurry wife? <laughs> I still don't get the kid having the the demon tattoo. I need that explain. I need a writer to like tweet me and explain. Does the son know about monster culture is the mo- is the son a hunter and if not why the fuck would the kid get this bizarre pentagram tattoo from his that his dad suggested i don't the layers to that is he a hunter or not that's the, the writer's thought that having the son have like the devil's trap tattoo would just be like the legacy lives on it's like you ha- you can't leave it at that that is so to be fair, much <laughs> that yeah. heavily implies that the son is a hunter. So why did Sam close the bunker? Why didn't we see the son <laughs> at the bunker? Why? Why didn't? Ah, oh, it's so stupid. <laughs> They're so fu- none of it makes any sense. The more you dig into it, fucking the Impala is all built. To fight monsters, and it's just <laughs> rotting in the fucking garage. You know, that's kind of the thing, too, is even the car didn't get a good ending because, I mean, it didn't go to heaven itself. Like, there's just the replica of it in heaven. So the car is just going to be rotting in a garage forever until Sam dies and the son either keeps it or pawns it off for money. And eventually someone, one of the Winchesters, one of the Winchester bloodline is just going to pawn off the fucking Impala. Honestly, <laughs> Impala. that's like... W- really upsetting to think about dean dean jr just like yeah selling the impala <laughs> no yeah. upsetting i don't even know what the fuck are they gonna do with the car it just sits there and sam sits in it and cries sometimes and that's it are you kidding me <laughs> there's this really good i mean i think there's a variations of this other like multiple people have probably come to this conclusion but there's a really good art that i will try mm-hmm. to find the source for of like it overgrown forest and Cass is sitting next to a rusted out Impala oh, and it's you. like, yeah, I know, right? Like implying that the Winchesters are gone and he's still here. It's all oh, it gets me every time I look at it. I'll try and post it however I can, but like that's a better, more interesting ending than what the Impala, mm-hmm. the baby, the car <laughs> got. 
where it just sits in a fucking garage where someone to cry in every every other year. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God, honestly, thinking about Cass being trapped on Earth in a vessel, I not aging as the brothers die and he watches the Impala rust. Oh, God, oh that's terrible. God. I literally can't. There's a really good fanfic that I'll try. I have it bookmarked so I can find it really easily, but... There's a fanfic that's basically that, and it's, if I remember correctly, I could probably find it really quick, but it's basically, like, uh, something like Dean Winchester died 2,000 years ago, and the hurt still, it still hurts. It's, oh, the hurt fuck. never ends. The pain never ends. Something like that. It's, and, like, I read that one line, and I'm like, I gotta go. I can't, I can't do this today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, not mentally stable enough for this today. I don't think I'll ever be mentally stable enough for that shit. Yeah. Like, Yeah, uh-uh. fucked me up. Fucked me up. Okay, um, but I- I've told you a little bit of, like, you know what? If they're going to give us a Sun OC, I'm going to take that and I'm going to play with it. The idea that, like, you know, they have children. Because you know what? Fuck it. Whatever. This is this is my AU. And, like, I, I think it'd be cool. So, um, yeah. <laughs> since we're talking about mental health, I just kind of love the idea that I refer to him as DJ in my brain because it's easier than Dean. Like, he's, mm-hmm. n- he's not technically Dean Jr., but whatever. So, I like to think that DJ is just a very anxious kid. Like, yeah. he's got a lot of anxiety. <laughs> so, that is not something that I think Sam <laughs> would be able to relate to. I- so, like, their neuroses are just very different. And I think Sam would be a good dad. I think Sam would do everything in oh, his absolutely. power to not be like his own father and i just kind of love the idea of you know this poor little anxious kid <laughs> growing up and sam is very supportive and just does not understand his desire to you know stay home it's like well like every weekend they do their whole father so- father son bonding mm-hmm. thing he has his own bonding thing with his mom too and he's just like i'm worried about him he doesn't he doesn't go out with <laughs> friends i don't want him to feel like i'm hoarding all of his time or like i'm uh like i'm smothering him and meanwhile <laughs> dj's over there just like oh hey can I go over to Ethan's for a sleepover and like making faces in the background, like, please say no, please say no, please say no. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, no, I don't want to hang out with these kids. <laughs> I don't want to be alone in a large group of my peers. That's terrible, actually. <laughs> Aww. Oh my God. What if his son was autistic and it just reminded him of Cass so much? Oh my God. <laughs> It'd be so cute. It would be so cute. He's just like, oh, he's just like, yes. I mean, I have my own little OCs. I'm like, look, if you're gonna give us a son, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him siblings. So I, yeah. So I've, I've mentioned that to you, and like, listen, I know it's cringe. I don't give yeah. a shit. I don't give a fucking shit anymore. Truly, anything is better than what we got. What you, what you have done is infinitely better. Like. You know, that's the weird thing about um, when shows, like, have kids, like, the, like the characters have kids, or there's, mm-hmm. conti- like, you know, Boruto or whatever. <laughs> it's just, it never, there's always that feeling of, like, this is just an OC, you know? Mm-hmm. The only exception to that rule is with Frodo Baggins, in my opinion. Like, fucking Harry Potter has this cursed child and, like, nobody likes that. Mm. Naruto and Boruto... Um, there's other shit with, like, the kids. And nobody ever likes the kids. Frodo Baggins is, like, the one exception, because that 
feels organic somehow. I don't know. Because, you know, you know, it's so weird to think about. Because, like, I might be wrong because, you know, we've grown up with, yes, there's Bilbo Baggins and his nephew, Frodo Baggins. But, like, that came out within kind of my parents' lifetime. So it's mm-hmm. very interesting to think that you're reading The Hobbit and then a couple years, months later, it's like, oh, by the way, Bilbo's nephew is, here he is with his own adventure. And it's like, did it feel like a weird OC to people who first read it? Or was mm. it just, was did it feel as natural as it does to me? That's what huh. I think about a lot instead of, you know, important things. No, that's a good question, actually. Because <laughs> that's what I feel whenever I read something about, but the thing is, the other thing is that I feel like so many continuations with the kids the fucking parents the like previous protagonists are always terrible they're terrible parents it fucking sucks every time because the only way for the kids to have their own narrative is to not have adults be involved and the only way to not have adults be involved protecting them is to have bad parents yeah the only way you get a child hero is when their parents are either dead or their parents are somehow like neglecting them or they're lying through their fucking teeth to their kids all the time yeah so like if you don't want there to be a lot of like parent child drama then you have to have a neglectful parent or a dead parent the parent child drama comes in when the when the kid is lying all the time and the parent is actually a good parent who's trying to figure out what's going on with their kid and it can be heart-wrenching when it's done right but very few things where the protagonist is like a teenager um and almost nothing where they're younger has the adult who kind of is trying to you know relate to their kid um at all and when they do a lot of times it's not really done well but i i think because what because that's not what kids want to see kids don't care about that dynamic for the most part the kids want because for a kid their escapist fantasy is when they don't have to think about what the adults are doing kind of they don't want to have to think about the adults trying to stop them from doing stuff or the adults stepping in to save them they want to be the hero of their own story which is why you can't think too much about it when it's children's media but (laughs) if it's something that's not necessarily aimed at children you know the thing is is that like bringing the adults in and having them have conflicts is like for one thing it's like fan service it's trying to bring back these old characters but you're bringing Mm -hmm. them back wrong for one thing and also i'm kind of like specifically thinking about avatar we're like yeah yeah we're like they you bring you're bringing back the protagonist much later in life and they're not good parents and they're ruining their kids lives and their kids are mad at them or someone's mad at them but the thing is, we spent the entire show, book, whatever, watching these people learn, like, especially Avatar, especially cartoons. You're watching these characters have a lesson to learn at mm-hmm. the end of every episode. And you see them growing constantly and learning and also unlearning things constantly. And then the next generation comes along and just, like, swipes all that shit off the table and is like, nah, forget <laughs> it they're fucking terrible people and they didn't learn a fucking lesson it's like no that's not no please don't do that i don't that's so nihilistic honestly like you can have characters be good parents it's okay it if anything we need more good parents in media that's in my opinion i think we really need to have good parents in media because there are so fucking many bad ones that we don't 
you know, having so many bad examples, it's like, yes, there is a point to that where it's like, I will not be like that. That's not what I want to be as a parent. But you don't have any good examples. So you don't see like what you should do and what you should aspire to. There was like a Tumblr post slash like therapy resource where it's like, um, here's all the red flags to see in a relationship. It's like, yeah, we all we all kind of you kind of get it. You you know what to look for. Like and these are you the know. white flags. Yeah, you never, ever, ever see green flags. Like, I have a picture saved on my computer of green flags. You never see green flags. You never see, like, solid communication. This is what to look for in a relationship. That means a relationship is good. You don't see that. You just see mm-hmm. constantly, look out. Everybody's out to get you. You gotta be careful. That's what I, that, I feel like that's what's wrong with society. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, another thing is that, like, all stories hinge on some form of conflict. So mm. if a lot of the times they don't really include a character unless they're a source of conflict. So either the parents just aren't mentioned, they're yeah. dead, or they are a source of conflict. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, well, I'm going to talk about D&D, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing specifically for me is that I have a rule for myself where I will never ever have a character that has a bad relationship with their family slash parents. And that actually goes for, like, stories I'm writing, comics I want to write, etc. Like, I will never, ever write a story where the family is terrible to their child. Because I I am so tired of seeing that. I want to see good relationships. Mm -hmm. I want to, like, see the family I want to see in the world, essentially. Mm -hmm. And... Here's the thing, is that my character, Tillian, God, I try not to go on for too long, but I have made it very clear to my DM, hey, my character has a very good relationship with her family, and I don't want anything to get in the way of that. And so she put my family in massive jeopardy, and it hurt (laughs) my character so much more than than me being like, oh, my character hates her parents because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z. And it made such a much more interesting story where my character is desperate to save her family and feels so guilty of what she did to her family completely unwillingly, but still did to her family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is so much more interesting than this character didn't learn from the mistakes, mm-hmm. even though we saw them grow for several seasons Mm -hmm. and yeah you know what i mean uh it just kind of drives me nuts yeah no i completely understand that honestly i also think it's very very funny to have a character where you're always just like well what's wrong with you how did you become this way like obviously they have a bad home life then you meet their family and they're just very very loving like yeah Mm -hmm. this is our like super edgy rogue who's like like a loner and everything then you meet their mom and they're like come in and have brownies like it's not that they don't get along with their mom or anything they love their mom and everyone's like then how what (laughs) <laughs> so it's like oh you think i had to have a bad family no i love my mom my dad is great yeah. actually i love my siblings fuck you <laughs> like if anything you can have people like there's a really good uh commercial from germany like i think most of us see, it's like the girl who's like a total goth and everybody's like kind of picking on her stuff but then she goes home and her dad is like <gasps> yes. painting the house black because he loves her and it's like that's what I'm fucking talking about. Mm-hmm. It's society is bad, but a family can make such a big difference. Mm-hmm. But it can, like, a child could, st- you know, someone could still turn out rough, even if their family is 
even if their family is fantastic you know Mm -hmm. there are other struggles besides families is what i'm saying i think another thing is also kind of hearkening back to what you were saying about being there being like a lack of community because yeah like you grew up with your one family and that's kind of how you spend your whole life until you go out on your own so it's either they fucked you up or (laughs) you gotta find you gotta think a little harder about what could have fucked this person up (laughs) yeah i mean you really think about like so like the vast 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 majority majority of human society has just been like community-based people don't really go like a hundred miles outside of their home they just kind of stayed within their family and like the parents helped raise their kids the grandparents helped raise their kids uncles brothers everybody helped raise kids together as a group Mm -hmm. and it's very extremely recent that the nuclear family is like a thing you know and I feel like a lot of millennials especially the queer millennials have figured (laughs) out that it's like we shouldn't be raising kids with just, like, two people and a teacher. Like, that's not how this should mm-hmm. work. It should be a fucking community. Yeah. And, yeah. I feel like America is so fucking starved for a community. It drives me insane to think about if I think about it too much. Like, that's, like, kind of an autistic thing is just... Oh, like, okay. Let me t- I'll be very frank about the pandemic and how's it, how it's affected me. Because the pandemic has kind of been a boon for me very personally. It's just not a great thing to say. But it has. Because... Most of my life, you know, I'm autistic. I'm the weird. I'm diagnosed a weirdo. So everybody kind of picks up that there's something a little off about me and they generally avoid me. And people who get past that, bless them. And I love them so much. And the pandemic has kind of helped me out in this way because everybody has been super, everybody has been as lonely as I was in like 2017. Everybody's very fucking lonely and isolated and they are willing to put up with the fucking weirdo in the back of the class. Me. (laughs) And, you know, some people have started realizing, oh, that weirdo in the back of the class is actually kind of a cool person and I'm glad I met them. And that's kind of been my pandemic. Like, I've been doing well. My mental health has fucking skyrocketed because people were finally willing to, like, befriend me and get past, like, my kind of little weird things or didn't notice it. They would only see me, like, online and learned about me through that way. And I just think it's really interesting that this pandemic has really kind of put everybody as, like, lowered the neurotypicals to (laughs) the neurodivergent level, in my opinion. Like, it really has at least for me, been very useful. I can't speak for all uh, neurodivergent people, but that's not what it's been for me. It's like, literally, I'm just like, <laughs> you're all on my fuck. You're in my fucking wheelhouse now, losers. Oh, you're <laughs> lonely? Oh, fucking <laughs> get ready for some fucking friendship, dipshit. <laughs> I'm your only friend now. <laughs> I'm gonna be, like, completely honest. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, social interaction and everything... Mm. The pandemic hasn't changed anything for me. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, I mean, it's it's recently, especially, gotten a little better, especially with mm. like you, like you, and yeah. like you've included me in a lot of stuff that you're doing, like a lot of group chats, things like that. So that's helped a lot. But like, yeah, the outside world is still difficult. Well, it's not necessarily that. It's just that I never learned after leaving high school how to meet people yeah no that's absolutely yeah yeah all my interactions have been online there's like 
in in high school or i guess college a little bit later if you went to college i mm. dropped out but like whatever not important i mean same so <laughs> so call like high school and college you are more so high school because college is a little different but you are in the same room with the same people all the time you are forced to interact with people you it's just mm -hmm. like through proximity and i never really learned i barely learned the rules of how to function in that <laughs> microcosm i definitely mm -hmm. don't know how to go about it when it's not something so structured when i'm not necessarily forced to be with the same people all the time work yeah. when i started working helped a little bit with that but so it's just it was very very weird and so all of my i was i spent a lot i spent basically since 2016 in kind of a fluctuating state of like extreme loneliness and yeah i learned to um talk to people online more um, I'm still not great at, you know, contacting people and making friends, but I have a good amount of friends and I, I talk to them on a somewhat regular basis. It's not always the same as seeing that people in person, though, because, you know, sometimes you just miss talking to people. And so it, mm. it just really like kind of hit me how like other people aren't coping with this like whole pandemic. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm actually weird for spending years of my life like that okay other people managed to yeah. cope with this way like they managed to find a way to deal with this way before i did but now that they're forced to <laughs> to do it online and they're having to relearn it and i'm like i didn't even learn the first way like this has been a little bit of a boon for me but not too much has changed it's really just that the more people have been available to talk to me but yeah it's pretty par for the course for me yeah like I, I mean, that's such a, like, a extremely common narrative. Like, more common than we fucking realize. Like, and it's not even, like, our generation. Like, the two, like, the other, the fucking baby boomers, none of them are friends with each mm -hmm. other. Like, my friends, my family doesn't really, my parents don't really have any friends. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. They have no friends, and they're just miserable with each other. And, like, it's absolutely insane how massive, there's, mm -hmm. everybody's fucking lonely. Like, I can't highlight that enough everybody is lonely right now and mm. nobody knows how to befriend each other unless they are extremely gifted at it. Yeah. And, and like a, that goes ex like doubly, triply for autistic neurodivergent people. Yeah. Truly. And like, yeah, it's just capitalism has dissolved community so much. Like it truly is just work home, work home, work home, nothing in between. Nobody's schedules lined up. You really have to work for it. And like all mm -hmm. the, the ways that you do make friends are all monetized, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to take classes, and maybe you'll be lucky enough to make a friend. Or you go join, like, a club, and maybe you'll make a friend. There, Oh, there's a meetup at a local coffee shop. Well, you have to buy coffee so you can stay with the people. You know, everything is fucking monetized. Friendship is monetized at this point. It fucking sucks so much. The only free ways to make friends are only accessible to like children and the elderly because like you they have to like you know be in the same space together to make it easier mm -hmm. to care for them everybody in between those years fully left out only working only making money that is it there's no help for those people at all so i was in an autism group uh, like i 
kind of earlier in the year, we kind of like petered off a bit, but we'll probably pick it up again. But the thing is, is that, um, like one, like it kind of petered off because, um, we didn't quite know what to do really. Cause there's no resources on adult autism. It is such a weirdly novel concept to people. Like anytime you try to find any research on autism and finding advice it's always for children it's always Mm -hmm. written to the parents of those children it is never to adults for some reason people seem to think that autism autism is cured once you're once you turn 18 it's very bizarre and sucks a lot honestly so in the autism group we had to like figure things out on how to do it and we had to use a lot of like kind of childish um games and stuff to to like work on it and that was kind of like a tipping point for the group it's like we kind of feel like we're being treated as children, but we also don't have it. It's kind of like the red flag blue thing, but like we know what not to do because we don't like it, but we don't have any idea of what to do Mm -hmm. to help ourselves because there is no, there are no green flags for us and how to go forward. Like it is, this is completely uncharted territory and that's how I feel it is for everybody between the ages of, like, 20 to 50, 60. Like, there, are, there is nothing here for us. There are no resources that don't cost money, that aren't behind a paywall, need extreme um, mm-hmm. research. They're, like, that's why D&D is so popular right now, because it is a fairly free, cheap way to hang out with friends and, like, meet up with people. But even then, like, you have to have your schedules line up, which we all know is fucking impossible. I am extremely lucky to have the group that I have. And even then, it is completely subject to the whims of capitalism all the time. Yeah. Sorry, I just have so many fucking thoughts about loneliness, honestly. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of what you said, but I also think another part, because this is something... I don't, I don't know how your family is, but growing up, my parents were very much that way. Pretty much all they did was they worked, they came home, took care of us. We went to school, we came home, we didn't really do much else. But I will talk to people my age, or I'll have coworkers who are my parents' age, and they have these full social lives. They have interests, they do things all the time, they have friends and hobbies. And that always kind of boggled my mind. Like, mm-hmm. I barely have hobbies, and my parents certainly don't. And I think it's just because my entire family has various mental illnesses, depression being chief among them, and other things like that. So I don't know what you and your family's history is, but like, when I talk to people who don't have depressed parents, I realize, oh, my parents never learned how to cope with with their a- adulthood and how to keep an active social life because and then I just I never learned either cuz I didn't have a blueprint and I also they don't have the resources they don't have the blueprint and so it, it's wild cuz like Emma she'll talk about things her parents do their interests their hobbies I don't I'm not going to pretend to know what their mental illnesses may or may not be like what their mental health status is but they seem to be at least coping with it better if they have any than my parents ever did. And like, I love my parents. They are very kind, loving. They have been supportive of me through a lot. My mom is very bipolar. Mm. She falls into very deep depressions. My father, I don't, I don't know if he's diagnosed with anything, but he had a brain injury when he was in his 20s. 
that at the very least is going to mess him up. And my dad has been trying to like do more things lately, especially since both me and my sister are out of the house trying to engage my mother and like going out, but it's hard, especially because my mom doesn't really want to. But so I think that's another thing. There's a lot of people who are depressed or yeah. mentally ill or neurodivergent and they don't know how to do these things or their um, various <laughs> neuroses, mental illnesses, neurodivergencies, whatever, prevent them from doing them. That all compounded with a kind of general lack of community. Um and it's just wild to me because I have coworkers my parents' age who talk about, oh yeah, I'm gonna uh go out this weekend or whatever, or um so buddy so and so has the kids, so we're gonna uh do this event. And I'm like, I didn't even know these events were happening. How did you find these? I'm like, you know, and I was just like, Oh, this is kind of what a well adjusted person does. And it's work. It is work. It's work that I don't think I've learned how to do yet. But I think that's another thing that you have to take into account. Um, it's, of course, the evils of capitalism and lack of community, along with just the struggle of forging human connection when you do have these struggles. Yeah. I think just like our parents' generation, kind of previous generations, you know, have been fucked over by the nuclear family and mm -hmm. have lost any sense of community to help them build relationships past childhood. And I want to be optimistic and say that our generation very clearly sees that. And that's why, like, living in a commune with your friends is, like, such a common, like, dream for people. Like, there's definitely a lot of things that could go bad. You know, some cult shit can happen. <laughs> but it is a common thing. Just, like, I want to live with my friends in a big house and we all just hang out. That's such a nice, beautiful dream that we all have. You know? We all just want to go back to being communities. We all want to go to back to our hunter-gatherer lifestyles. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. You want to call it? I think we can call it here. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to have anything else fun to say. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, this has been Helen Complicated. Uh, a supernatural fan cast. Wasn't especially supernatural, but you know, it's all supernatural is part of a complex American capitalist nightmare. You know, it fits really well in here. Anyway. Uh, what's the shit I say? You can find us at Hell Ain't Complicated. Wait, what's the fucking Twitter? I don't know. Hell Ain't, Hell Ain't Pod on Twitter. Uh, Hell Ain't Complicated on Tom Facebook and Twitter. Dumbler? God, Jesus. It's been a very long day for me, okay? I drove all the way down to Seattle and back, and then I did more driving, so I am very driven out <laughs> right now. You can find me Dupless at Tumblr, Dupless Twitter, Dupless everywhere. I'm Dupless. I love. My name is Dupless. Bo, do you have anything to say? Please get me out of here. Um, I don't want you to find me, but if you want to contact me, um, if you have a therapist, talk to them about it. If you don't, yes. you should get a therapist. They'll know how to find me. Yeah, I kind of did want to say that, like, I a friend of mine recently went through a really bad health crisis and. I kind of just want to say, like, for the love of God, take care of your mental health. And I know people say, oh, do it for your friends. But kind of sometimes you do have to do it for your friends because I well, I had really more coherent words about this. But oh, where were they? What were they? As Give me a in, second. Like, it's important that you take care of yourself because you're a person with value. But also because 
people don't like to talk about it, but your mental health affects the people who you care about as well. Exactly. And they don't like to see you suffering. And they're, they're going to be miserable trying to take care of you when you are struggling too, because it, it may or may not put them through, through some shit. And also seeing someone you love struggle is difficult. And yeah, it, it sounds like you're being a jackass when you say that to people, but it's true. And I'm talking mm-hmm. from firsthand experience, not necessarily as being someone who's had to take care of others because I'm, I'm not always that great at it, but I've, I've had to watch people I love struggle. And I've also caused the people that I love some undue amount of distress because I wasn't taking care of myself. And there's nothing that they could do to help me. They tried their best and it hurt them to see me hurting. And it's something that I I could have prevented. I could have prevented my own harm and I could have prevented the harm of those people who I cared about if I took care of myself a little better. Because I deserve it and also they deserve it. Yeah. And I've kind of done that to my own parents and stuff, even though they don't have to worry like quite too much. But one thing that really helped me with my mental health, because I've been working on it since like 2017, just therapist, psychiatrist, the works. One thing that kind of helped that probably isn't the best advice, but one thing that really helped me is reframing therapy as helping others. Because if I am mentally stable enough, then I can use that mental stability to help other people with their mental stability. And that, honest to God, proved extremely useful this month when I helped someone. And I saw some of my friends were extremely struggling with a friend of ours uh mental health and i knew i could absolutely help i knew it was a safe place in every way and i was able to step in help them the way they needed and help make the situation marginally better and so if you if you're not going to take care of your mental health for yourself try and think of it that way that if you help yourself you'll help other people and that really helped that really helped me at least and i'm in a pretty good mental health spot compared to other years so if that does anything yeah you gotta frame it in whatever way makes it effective you know (laughs) yeah majorly majorly uh do you have an au of the week um my au of the week because um i've been going through a list of classic rom-coms and trying to watch every one that i've (laughs) missed out on i haven't actually missed out on all that many but my au of the week is a Notting hill au because i don't know how on earth i have i a rom-com obsessed freak have lived 24 years and had not seen Notting Hill. Um, basically the premise is a famous movie star, uh, falls in love with a small bookshop owner and they have to deal with their shit. And for those of you who don't know, which probably isn't many people, but you know, that iconic quote, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. That's from Notting Hill, and I was so mad at myself because I watched that whole movie. <laughs> then when that line came, it punched me in the face, and I was like, fuck, that's this one? <laughs> that's this one? I knew that line. It gets referenced all the time. Anyway, Notting Hill AU. With whatever fucking pairing you want. Bobby Rufus, <laughs> if you want. I don't give a shit. Oh my god, <laughs> yes! Oh my god, I'm just an old man asking an old man to love me, please. <laughs> Two gay dudes in love. Just two old old queens. I love them. <laughs> uh, my of the week is a couple of weeks ago, we talked about if the Winchesters like 
had a cat, had like a black cat, either in the bunker yes. or in the car with them. And I think that'd be really cool if the Winchesters had a fucking cat. Because in my opinion, Dean is much more of a cat person than a dog person. Absolutely, He can still love dogs. We all love dogs, but. I mean, Dean canonically doesn't actually like dogs. He dislikes dogs canonically. He did get ripped apart by dogs, so. <laughs> I mean, that is fair. Another mom-coded thing. Sorry, I know a lot of moms who are afraid of dogs. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why that I associate being afraid of dogs as a mom trait. <laughs> I just know a lot of moms who are scared of dogs. He's Oh my god, headcanon, he's also scared of dogs now. Sorry. Yeah, I think that's actually been like a really famous headcanon for a long time. Because yeah, he did get ripped apart by dogs. That also, most people don't dislike dogs unless they're somewhat scared of them. Plenty of people who aren't afraid of cats dislike them. Just because they can't relate to them. But not many people dislike dogs unless they're afraid of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you don't like dogs, it's like because of a genuine trauma, usually. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've had my cats, like, try to scratch my fucking eyes out. I'm still like, I love you, baby angels. <laughs> okay, but that would be Dean with a cat. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, there could be a scene kind of like in um, Mummy where they use the cat to yeah, I, that's why I think it'd be so cool if they had, like, a black cat, because black cats are so associated with, you know, it's a black cat, y'all, everybody knows. I just think it'd be so cool. And, like, okay, wait, wait, okay, so, like, in Demon Deals, you need, like, a cat bone and shit, and I would really love a scene where, like, Dean and <laughs> Sam and Dean are, like, looking at their precious baby angel cat that they love so much, and they're like, we really need to make a deal. Y you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. And they just like, we can't do it. And they just give their cat like a bunch of treats <laughs> instead of doing the deal. <laughs> Bonus if um Sam uses the cat to ward off some sort of like supernatural being. And yes. afterwards, Dean is like, how fucking dare you? You put the cat in danger. <laughs> how could you do it? Like, he's like holding her to his chest. Like, how yeah. could you do this to her? <laughs> No, don't look at me. I can't even look at you right now. <laughs> Dean, like, takes a cat from Sam and, like, puts it in her own special room in the bunker that has, like, a fancy cat bed on her shit. Oh, that'd be so cute. <laughs> oh, God, I really wish they had at least... Oh, God, I wish they had pets. I really wish they had, like, a cat. You know what? I want her to be a long hair cat, too. Like, one of those really poofy black oh my cats. God. Yes. Hair oh is everywhere. Dean still loves her. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my god, I would love that so much. Sam is <laughs> like so on a habitual basis pulling um cat hair out of his cereal and he's just like, I, I love you too much, but please <laughs> how? How did it get in my cereal? <laughs> and then Dean's just like, It's your hair. Fuck you. How do you know? How do you know it's not yours? <laughs> and then there's oh my god, how could I forget fucking forget? There's like a whole headcanon universe about Castiel's hairless cat named Phyllis. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Was that a fanon, like, Tumblr thing? Honestly, I, I it happened, you know, while I was gone. I'm still trying to catch up. But yeah, I think it is a semi-fanon, semi-Misha Collins has, an, has said something about hair, a hairless cat. So, like, not entirely fanon. I think. I might be wrong, though. But yeah, I can absolutely say that. Of course- Cass rubbing lotion on this cat like yes. twice a day or however much they need it. <laughs> oh, that's so cute! Oh my god, that'd be so precious. <laughs> Cass, oh my god. 
<laughs> I try not to whipify Cass so much because he is still a scary soldier of heaven. But fucking Cass brings injured animals to the bunker all the fucking time. Obviously. Look, Dean is the original Cass fire. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're just following his lead. Dean just whoopified. Dean wifeified Cass. He did. He really Cass did. Wifeified Dean. They both wifeified each other. That's true. I mean, Cass domesticated Dean and then Dean whoopified him. <laughs> That's how it worked. Oh, I got a little bit of wine up my nose. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my god. We should probably oh, end it here. So cute. Oh yeah, I forgot. Oh god, I was about I to say it. Uh, we were still recording. <laughs> hey, Misha Collins, please come to my house and talk about your hairless cat Castiel head cannons and all that shit, please. <laughs> Oh my god. Also be my therapist. Let's see what fucking happens. Oh god. <laughs> uh, have a good day, everybody, and carry on, my wayward kids. Take care of your mental health, I swear to god. <laughs> okay, bye. It really is. It really fucking is. Oh, I had a thing. What was it? Uh, I lost it. Where was it? I saw a bird and got distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Very ADHD. Oh my god, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, I don't remember.